0: Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. I just want to go over some of the things that I've been teaching about on Sunday mornings, just for the next... um, I've got a few minutes, so we're good. Uh, (laughs) And that is about, you know, fulfilling the call and destiny that's on your life. And purpose is so important, and what a way to come up after learning about purpose. You know, putting putting those (laughs) principles into your children... But there's things that we even need to learn ourselves, and that is about our purpose and our destiny for our lives. And you know, I've been emphasizing a lot over the past couple of weeks, this, I, doing this this past couple of months, and I'm got, like, I have written on the top of this conclusion, but this conclusion could also be another four weeks. So um, we'll see what way the Holy Spirit wants to go with it, but there's just a few things that have been just so heavy on my heart concerning these things. And that's stuff that I've been looking at was, you know, how to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Ghost. And that's something that we teach. It's our core, one of the core values in this church is how to be led. And we teach people how to be led and for us to follow God's plan for our lives. And you know, when the Lord start, put, put these things in my heart at the beginning of the year, it was very much like, that's when a lot of these things began to stir on the inside of me. When, and these things started to rise up and the Lord started speaking these things to me was at the turn of the year there in, in the, this new year. And it was that we, we need to do more. Amen? We need to do more. We need to press in more. We need to, you know, apply our faith more. We just need to do more. We need to do more and become more aware of the critical times we're living in. And you say, why is it critical? It's critical because we have so much to do. It's critical because you only have to go out in the world and look at what's going on around you. It's a critical time we're living in. We've so much to do and there's still so many people to be reached. Church, that's the great commission, yes, is to reach the world, to go out into the world and preach the gospel. That is our generic call. We should all be doing that. And you hear me say that every week I've been teaching about these things. I'm not talking about the call, so to speak, is different than than each other. Our call is all the same, and that is to reach the world, to reach the lost with the gospel. Okay, you can do that in your nine to five. You can do it, you know, just as much as I'm doing it, and this is my full-time job is doing those things. You know, that is your call. Everyone has a specific destiny and a specific plan that might not look the same as everybody else. And that is the ones that have been pre-appointed by God. Isn't that good news? God has pre-appointed a destiny for you. He has pre-planned. He has it. He has the path. Not only does he have it, does he have the plan for your life, church. He also has mapped the road out for you to get there. He has mapped the road out for you to get there. You see, we don't always stay in that road because that's we fail to do our part. Or we, go, we think we have a better way. We were looking at King Saul and King David over these past couple of months and how we couldn't take the applications from their lives and apply it to our lives and see that there's big differences there. And we looked at Saul and how he had a call in his life, but he didn't stay on that road. He didn't stay on that path. We are to fulfill God's plan for our lives, nobody else's. Not somebody else's plan. You're to fulfill our plan, your plan, your individual plan, not somebody else's. We all have a part to play. We will be most effective as the body. We will be most effective if we work as a body. You know, we're a body, a body of Christ. And we'll be most effective as the body if we're all doing what we're called to do. Okay? Just look at it as the human body. Turn with me to Romans really quickly. Romans chapter 12. And in verse 4, it says, and again, in the Passion Translation, just because it pulls out a few words here, it says, in the human body, there are many parts, and, and in the human body, there are many parts, each with a unique function, organs, everything, each have a specific function. One cannot function as the other. One cannot be the other because that's not the way it's designed to be. We can't be somebody else because God has designed you to be you. Okay. And so it is in the body of Christ. For though we are many, we've all been mingled into one body in Christ. This means that we are all vitally joined to one another with each contributing to the other. Okay? Christ is the head of the body and we are the body. Right? We all have our own part to play. Think of the human body. If the human body is not, if a particular part, organ, limb, anything of the human body is not functioning the way it is designed to function, the other body will feel it. The other body, the rest of the body will feel the effects of it. The rest of the body, let me put it this way, will not be functioning to the best of its ability or to the best as of what it's designed to function as, okay? Just like the body of Christ, if so many people are leaving their job to somebody else, if so many people are thinking of all the time in the world... If so many people are running after, chasing somebody else or something else, instead of doing what God called them to do, the body is going to be less effective. Can we see that today? In the body of Christ, can we see those things? Has has the church as a whole, not this church, <laughs> has the church in a whole got away from things? And you know, church, we, we say those things, nobody's perfect. We all have lessons to learn. We all have things to remind ourselves of, okay? But there is it is vitally important that we get back to knowing what God has for our lives and focusing on that. We hinder our call, and that's what I've entitled these, this whole series is hindering your call, and except you can't just expect the call of God to fall in your lap and expect God to do everything for you. No, we have a job to play, and we have a, we've a job to do and a part to play, and that's what I was discussing there about when God st- started stirring these things in my heart was we hinder that in certain things that we do. And we've looked at all these things. We hinder the call if we fail to obey God and prepare. As you walk in obedience to God, your failures and your mistakes, which have hindered you, which may have hindered you from walking in the Spirit, won't be able to keep what the Lord has ordained for you from coming to pass. That's good news. Nothing will be able to stop you if you're walking in obedience, if you've been led by His Spirit, if you're willing, if you're that vessel that's set aside for Him and you're ready to go to do his work, nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you. It may try to, the weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. It didn't say it won't be formed. It didn't say things weren't going to come against us, but it won't prosper. It won't prosper. You know, David was somebody we looked at a lot, and he had, had to get his heart right again before God and finish what it was. It was that God had for him to do. And you know, David, what part of David's job, speaking just as like we've just heard about raising the next generation, a part of David's job was to get Solomon ready for his call, was to raise Solomon. And let me tell you something, you heard me talk about the mistakes in David's life, particularly his adultery, just to point that out, okay? Just to use that specifically. Bathsheba was Solomon's mother. Did you know that? okay. Solomon was conceived in wedlock, okay? It wasn't that adulterous relationship. It was in wedlock, because later, remember, we discussed he took her as his wife after he killed Uriah, okay? Solomon was conceived in that relationship, right, between David and Bathsheba, from the same woman that he sinned with and messed up with, from the same relationship that nearly destroyed him how God can turn situations around to produce something great, church, how God can take your biggest mistakes and make something great out of them, we just heard about Solomon, he was the wisest man to ever walk this planet, he was the one that built the temple, he was the one that built, David didn't see that in his, in his time, but he had a part to play in getting the legacy ready, in effect in the next generation. But he had to get his heart right and a lot of those things before he could do those. And part of that job was to raise Solomon up and to get Solomon ready and to give everything that he learned, everything that he knew, everything that the Spirit revealed to him, even regarding building that temple, he had to pass on to Solomon. I won't see that, but son, you're going to do it. God can turn anything around. But once we are willing and obedient, once we come to ourselves, once we like, strip everything back, David had to do something first. Remember, he had to repent. He had to come before God and ask for his forgiveness and say, I've sinned against you, Lord, and only you. He had to get his heart right. His heart attitude had to be mended. And from that, Solomon came about. We need to get to that place of not allowing anything to come in between us and God. We have to make that decision. Nobody else is going to do it for you. Nobody else is going to force you to do anything. David had to make that decision to fix his hard attitude and get himself back to that place of intimacy. He had to choose to do that. He had to do it. From this, he and his family had consequences they had to deal with, and we looked at some of these things, but he corrected his heart and he was able to continue in what God had called him to do. Why? Because he dealt with the sin issue. He stripped it off. You know, last time we looked at the analogy of our call and destiny being like a race, the Apostle Paul used this term, okay? We are running our race. It's like a race, right? Last week, we discussed some of these things. Paul knew, was one that knew. He, he used this term to refer to his own purpose, and he knew that no matter how far he had come, there was always more to press towards. Remember, we talked about keeping the vision in front of you at all times. You keep yourself in a posture of advancement, not retreating. Not running back, not standing still. Don't allow passivity to enter. Keep yourself postured forward, in a forward position. He knew the importance of these things and about how important it was to drive ahead. Keep the vision in front of you. In Paul's final words to Timothy, in some of his final words as he was coming to the end of his life, he said, I have finished my race. I have ran my race. I have finished the course. We all have our own race to run, and you have a particular race that God has set before you. It's a spiritual race that has to do with your divine destiny that God has planned for you to fulfill. Don't just run your race and get so far. Don't hinder your call and fail to finish your race. Church, it's easy to start, it's easy in the starting blocks. We may have a false starter or two, but at the start of the race is the easiest finishing the race is the hardest don't just start your race it's fair to say that you can see the starting lineups in the the church packed with people full but once you get midway once you start to see the finish line is there as many people in the race as what they did when they started or did so many people fall away did so many people fall to the side go to one way There will be temptations and trials. There will be opportunities to try to get you to lower your intensity of seeking after the Lord. Don't lower that intensity. Don't lose the momentum. Keep the momentum going and keep your eyes fixed ahead. And I just want to spend a few minutes talking about this scripture that God put in my heart. And I couldn't get off this scripture all week. All week when it came to talking about these things, the Lord was just pouring things out and showing me things through this verse and it is so important and it is so it can so easily be applied to what we're talking about turn with me to hebrews chapter 12 and this is coming right this chapter is coming right after talking about chapter 11 the heroes of the faith the old testament faith the, o- the old testament saints and their faith verse 1 it says therefore we also Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with what? Endurance or patience, depending on your translation. Endurance and patience, say, with the race that is set before us. In the amplified, this is how it words it, and listen to this. Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, on, which is an unnecessary weight. An unnecessary weight. And that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. And let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. Now, does that verse imply at any stage that we're going to be sitting on one of those, you know, those wee golf carts that you see running through the airport for people that's late for their flight? Does it say that you're going to be carried on your race? Does it say that you're going to be pulled along on your race by somebody else, or you can hang on somebody else's coattails? No, it says to run your race with patient endurance. You have to run your race. You have to run it. It's the second part of this verse I want to focus on today, but I just want to, like, that, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That word cloud in the Greek is nephos, and it describes the clouds that we see in the sky, but it also, in, the classic, in, in that classic Greek times, in the ancient Greek times, it, it can also be referred to as the highest seats in a stadium. As the highest seats in a stadium. These seats were so high up, they were referred to as being in the clouds, nephos, nephos. Notice how it says, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, meaning we are completely encircled on every side by these seats in the grandstands of heaven. In the grandstands of heaven. And last week I referred to like track races and the Olympics or whatever other competition or main event that you like watching. Like I love athletics. I find it interesting. I love watching it, especially the track. And did you ever see those in those big events, in those world stage events, the stadiums are massive. They build them specifically for these games. And, they ho- and each country takes turns in hosting them. And the Olympic Stadium itself, church, it is humongous. It is massive. It is the state of the art. And it is tiered and tiered and tiered and tiered and tiered and tiered and tiered with seats Because for people that don't want to miss it, don't want to miss the action, well, you can go and watch it live. Spectators. And that's the vision that I got when I seen these things. The Holy Spirit's telling us here that we have so many cheering us on. Did you know that? You've so many cheering you on. The grandstands in heaven are piled high with those who have already ran the race. Those that it speaks of in Hebrews chapter 11, who have ran their race, finished their course, seen the manifestation of their faith. Their faith has now become sight as they're standing in heaven's throne room. They're cheering you on in your race. You're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That's just not when we get to heaven. They're cheering you on. Now, they're interested in the spiritual things. The spiritual achievements, the spiritual milestones that you're reaching. Jesus said to himself, when, when somebody is saved, heaven rejoices. They know church. They know because it's spiritual. They might not know when you buy your house, when you sell your house, or what's going in the natural, what's going on in the natural things in your life. But when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to your race, when it comes to, you know, maybe you were not doing the things you were doing. Maybe you had fallen away from God and you came back. Maybe even at your salvation, maybe even at a particular point in your ministry, got to do with your call, got to do with your destiny. When you've ran another lap, when you've passed another checkered line and you're on another lap, when something has happened spiritually for in your life, you have people that know about it cheering you on. we are not the spectators and we shouldn't be off to the side wasting time. We are in the middle of our race and we need to keep that intensity and keep our eyes on the finish line. Keep your eyes on the finish line with every obedient step and leap. And it has to be an obedient step and leap because we covered this in one of the weeks. You can be moving and moving nowhere. You can be moving and moving in another direction where God doesn't want you to go. Okay, but with every obedient step, which implies that when you are doing what he is telling you to do, when you're going in the direction that he's telling you to go, with every leap, we have a host of people rooting for us who have already fought the good fight. What an encouragement. Heaven is rejoicing as you take those leaps towards the things of God. You have loved ones that have already gone home to be with the Lord. They're cheering you on. They're cheering you on. Regarding the race we're running for God, we have things in our lives that can slow us down and trip us up. Like that's what it says in this verse. These things are the weights that we need to identify and get rid of. So in the Amplified it said, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight. Anything that's weighing you down thats that doesn't need to be there. And that sin which so readily and deftly and cleverly clings to us and entangles us. Church, when you watch a track race, right? When you watch a race at the Olympics, when you watch the 100 meters or the 200 meters or the 400 meters or whatever, long distance, did you notice the runners are not wearing a lot of gear? They're wearing as little as possible. They're wearing what is going to give them the least resistance. They're not wearing an overcoat at the start of the race. Even when in the colder climates, they're wearing skimpy track clothing, right? That clings to them, that gives them the least resistance. They're wearing the appropriate gear. They wear what is necessary. They certainly don't wear anything heavy or something that will slow them down. You know, and that's another thing. The runner starts and finishes the race in that gear, They start it and finish it. They don't start it with an overcoat. They don't start it with something heavy, get 50 meters in and then chuck it off. They start it and they end with that same clothing. They free themselves from any hindrances from the very beginning. Many times we are carrying things through our race that we should not be carrying and they're slowing us down. I love how the Amplified puts it as strip off or throw aside, meaning do not carry it. Why would that runner wear anything that is going to potentially hinder them from winning that race? And they're on those starting blocks with, regardless of their form that season, regardless of, you know, who might be in the lane next to them, they'll be aware of those things. They'll be aware of where people's strengths and weaknesses are. But if they've made it to a final in the Olympics, they have every belief in themselves that they're going to win that race. So why would you wear anything or why would they wear anything that is going to hinder them or slow them down? We do ourselves no favors by not adequately preparing for our race. Not adequately preparing for it. Stop blaming God and everyone else for what you are failing to do. For you are the one who's willingly carrying these things along that are wearing you down, that are, you know, affecting your walk with God that are really unnecessary and you blame everyone else. You're blaming God. God, where are you in this? Look at what you're carrying. Remember how Saul handled his situation and how he went down the blame game. It didn't end up too well for him. He tried to push responsibility on other people instead of evaluating what he'd done in his own life. It specifically, and really quickly here, it specifically mentions sin here in Hebrews 12.1. Sin will slow you down and hinder you from finishing your race. And we covered sin in, the, in a couple of weeks, last week and the week before I did this. We looked at some examples of David's life. Sin will continue to trip us up unless we strip it off and deal with it. It will continually strip you up, strip it off and trip you up. If we stay in this place, we are unable to, le- to be led by the Spirit as we've become calloused. If you uh, continually allow sin to be dominant in your life, if you continually yield to these things, you become calloused. It it affects you being able to be led by the Spirit. It affects your ability to be able to to hear from God. You won't be as spiritually sensitive as you should be, because your flesh is more dominant. You're yielding to your flesh. You're yielding to the sin. I'm not just referring to a really bad sin, like we covered with David, like, an, you know, what we class, and we covered that last week about we, we tend to classify sin, and we tend to classify it whether we should stay away from it based on the consequences it has in our lives, and that's a big no-no, and we looked at these things. But I'm, I'm not talking just about those really bad acts that we tend to classify, murder or anything else. I'm referring to anything that is carnal or of the flesh, anything that hinders your spiritual growth. You shouldn't be carrying if it's hindering your spiritual growth, strip it off. If you're, in those star- if you're already midway through your race and you feel bogged down, do an examination of the gear that you're wearing. Strip it off. Are you wearing winter boots when you should be wearing track shoes? If we continue to yield... To these things, they cling to us and entangle us. And I love that description it gives in the Amplified. Like it says, just like it would wrap around your feet when you're trying to run. Can you imagine how difficult it would be for the runners that have something clinging to their feet? That's what that sin does. That's what those weights do. They come into your life and they entangle you. And the more you yield to them, the more you have, the harder it is to get rid of them things, the harder it is to strip it off. They entangle, and can you just picture that, that image of that entangling around your ankles, and you're trying to take each step and each leap, and it's resistance. And we wonder why it's so hard. We wonder why these things are coming against us. What are we yielding to? Don't wait to deal with these things until you're out of the starting blocks, or, Lord, you've revealed that to me, Lord. I know I need to change, and I know I need to do this, but I'll start doing it next week. I'll start doing it, Lord, next month, or I'll start in six months down the line, or I'll do it next year, Lord. Lord, I just need, and you start to justify, you start to, like, bargain with God. There's no bargaining, okay? When God tells you to do something, do it. There's no reasoning. Don't try and reason with him. That's disobedience, Okay? If he tells you to do something and specifically says to do it now, do it now. If it's hindering your spiritual growth, it shouldn't be there. That's like the runner saying, I'm going to run with this heavy coat on, but when I get 20 meters before that finish line, I'm going to strip it off and go. Why would you give yourself a disadvantage at all? Why would you have anything in your life that shouldn't be there if it's going to slow you down? Run your race with patient endurance. That endurance means you're running with a good speed. You're running with a good pace. You're not slowly jogging along. Do it before it causes you to drop your intensity or lose momentum. Which so easily ensnares us. This is referring to what we just looked at. The weight and the sin is what ensnares us. If you feel ensnared, it's the weight and the sin. In the King James, it says, which doth so easily beset us. And that's from the Greek word "euperistados," okay? And it's a compound word which is made up of three words, but it can tra- be translated as "easily encircling." Easily encircling. Some translations have it as this, you know. And I, I somebody I heard t- doing these uh, said said about this verse said it can be translated as um, "which doth so easily environ us," referring to your environment. Referring to your environment. Just like I was saying about not waiting to strip these things off and how important it is, the reason why sometimes it could be why we wait is because we have become so used to it that it's part of our environment. We live there that we don't even recognize it. And that's what it comes back to, that calloused Feeling. It has become your environment. You've accepted these things for so long that it environs you. It is your environment. You don't even recognize it. You're living there. Where does Psalm 91 say we should be living? In the secret place of the Most High. We dwell in His secret place. We dwell in that intimate union with Him. That should be our environment. That should be our environment. Don't get so used to something that slows your spiritual growth, whether it be sin, whether it be anything that ensnares you. Don't get so used to it that you even are failing to recognize what it is. That's dangerous, that you're recognizing the harm it's doing to to your race. It's become your environment. You've been in it for so long, you live there. It's slowing you down. Get yourself in a place where you will hear more of God's word. Get yourself to a place where your spiritual growth is flourishing here in, in that place of prayer, in that place of seeking Him, in that place of hearing His Word, getting around like-minded people. The Holy Spirit will reveal areas to you if you ask Him. If you, if, you, if you need help, if you realize that maybe there is stuff slowing you down and you need help identifying things, He will help you. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. But you need to be willing and obedient when He does. Listening, willing, and obedient. Use the same feet That you walked right into it to walk back out. Stop waiting for somebody to come and get you. You, If you're use the same feet that you walked into the sin to walk out of the sin, to walk out of the environment. Get up and walk (laughs) out. If it's causing you to, if it's hindering your growth, if it's hindering the call of God that's on your life, get up and walk out. If that environment is hindering you, walk out. Walk away. Run away from these things, especially if you're susceptible to specific temptations. Don't even go near them. Stay away. Notice how we do these things. Nobody else is going to do it for us. Take the heavy jacket off and throw it aside. Take the encumbrance off. Strip it off. The devil will always try to get you out of your own lane. And that's why I said that at the beginning. It's very important to run your own race. You know, each of those runners, they have their own lane. If you infringe on somebody else's lane in those major competitions, you're penalized. You have to stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. The devil will always try and get you out of your lane. Why? If he can do that, he can continue to distract you and pull you further away from the finish line. You know, see, the grandstands are over here on the sides, all these spectators are over here on the sides, on this side and that side, and you're running the race. It's normally in the center of the track. And if he can get you over to the side, slightly out of your lane, not only when you look at it as in from the body perspective, like we spoke about, you're starting to hinder other people because you're now in their lane. The body's less effective. And then he continues to pull you. He's distract you, distracting the other people around you. And he starts to pull you over to the side, which is further away from that finish line. More distractions. We have to be wise to his devices, and we do this by being sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Remain sensitive to the Holy Spirit by pressing deeper. And that's the whole the whole basis of this series that I've been teaching is pressing deeper, doing something about it learning more about him, getting more intimate with him always focusing on the vision ahead, Jesus said his yoke is easy and his burden is light we, if, you, if you have something that's heavy, it's not from him okay, there will be certain and let me just add there as well with the call of God on your life, there, a certain weight comes with that It's a weight of responsibility, okay? But it's not a weight that you can't carry and it's not a burden that will break you, okay? It is not something that ensnares you and that traps you and slows you down. It empowers you, okay? It is a weight, but don't confuse those things. If you start to feel more responsibility as you step into that call of God in your life, don't run away from those things. Embrace them. Lean on the Holy Ghost to be your source of strength. Lean on the Holy Spirit to guide you through, Okay, stop doing things on your own strength. That's when it becomes a problem. When we try and do it and we make it all about us. And we talked about those things when it came to Saul and David. Many times we run into difficulty, not because of the plan and purpose that is on our lives, but because we have failed to do our part and strip everything else off that hinders that call. We're failing to do our part. Identify what is causing the resistance and get rid of it identify. You know, in my last line of work, we used to do a lot of stock-taking. I was involved in sales, and you had to do a lot of stock-taking, okay? That was very important, not only to the growth, but to the profit of that business, right? To do those things regularly, and we used to do a quarterly, depending, okay? So, stock-takes are very important. You know, we need to do stock-take on our own lives at times. We need to start... Start looking at what it is that we're carrying, what it is that we're doing. We need to start looking at what it is we're harboring, what is in our stockroom. Okay? What is in our stockroom? You need to do some examinations at times. You need to do some examinations at times. They're so important for the profit of your, of your race. I'm just figuring out now where to go from this and Sharon robbed all my time but um no, just kidding. no I'll only be a few more minutes I promise, Tyne. <clears throat> so uh, let us look I just want to look at that verse one again of Hebrews chapter 12 right let us run with endurance patience that the race that is set before us the Greek word for run here is trecho right and this is why this verse, uh, church, I couldn't get off this verse all week. As I started to break it all down and look at the Greek words, look at what was initially supposed to be, you know, what was initially translated as. It is so powerful, the stuff that is in it. That word treko, it means to run hastily. It does not imply a slow walk or a donder. How many people have, can we see dondering along their race? Dondering as if they've no care in the world, as if they've all the time in the world. It's slowing slowing you down. It's slowing the body down. We should always have a high intensity when pressing forward into our call. Both feet, you know, you look at those runners as well. They never have their both feet planted on the ground at the same time. They take one leap, one foot leaps off the other, pressing down on the ground to give them more momentum. They're never planted with both feet. That's slowing you down, coming to a stop. It is slowing your momentum. Both feet should should never be planted on the ground. Inactivity in the kingdom will hinder your call. Something else that hinders your call, inactivity in the kingdom, doing nothing. Doing nothing, being passive. We talked about this last week, about putting your hand to something, all while being led, so that you don't get sidetracked into something you shouldn't be doing, because remember, that is also a, a truth as well, that you can be doing something that maybe God doesn't want you to do, like Saul offered Remember, he took those animals for those sacrifices. But I was doing it for you, Lord. No, no, no. no. I told you to destroy everything. I told you to destroy everything. Saul thought, "I'm being active in these things. I'm doing these things. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for the Lord. It's for you, Lord." But no, he was just trying to cover up his disobedience. Take. It's not just you have to be led so that you don't get sidetracked into something you shouldn't be doing but you're taking yourself out of that passivity and doing something. You're putting your hand to something. We leap one foot off the ground at a time and push ourselves forward. You know, the speed implied here in the Greek translation of this verse is hastily. You don't do it half-heartedly. You don't do it just without any effort. You give it your all and pursue with a good momentum. The fact that it tells us to run this way also implies it's not always going to be easy. You know, when you're running, you're pushing with more resistance against what is trying to come against you and slow you down. If you're walking, there's going to be more of that gravity, more of that thing pushing you backwards. If you're running, if you're, st- if you're standing like th- in this posture, you easily fall back. If you're standing in this posture, you don't as easily fall back. Keep yourself postured forward in that position of running forward. And I'm going to close with this one, with this thought. It's very hard to drive a parked car. It's very hard to drive a parked car. We need to be moving in order to be led. You know, so many of us are standing around doing nothing. Oh, Lord, lead me in what you want me to do. Lead me, Lord. I'm just going to wait here, Lord, and do nothing. I'm going to expect you to come pick me up off the ground and carry me to to tell me what you want me to do. No, church. Do something. Get involved. Get active in the kingdom. Whatever it may be, pray about it. Ask the Holy Ghost to lead you and put something on your heart. Let Him to show you what it is. But do something. You cannot drive a parked car. You have to be moving in order to be led. Doing something. Be active. Be active. And that's like just like I said in when we were doing our tithing offering. That's been really heavy on my heart all week, is that Just be active in the kingdom. Do something. It's a race. We're not spectators. It's a race. And we're running our race with all of our might. Amen? Amen. Let's close with that. Heavenly Father, we praise and we thank you. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity, Lord, to come in and meet with our fellow brothers and sisters to worship and glorify and magnify your name. It's not a social club, Lord. It's not just playing church, playing games. Lord, we're coming with a real purpose, and that is to magnify, to worship, to glorify, to honor your name in everything we do. Lord, we want your name exalted above all else this morning and in and through our lives. So we thank you, Father, Lord, for that opportunity. Lord, we never take it for granted for the freedom we have to come and worship you, our all in all, our Alpha and our Omega, our beginning and our end our Lord of Lords. Oh, Father, we love you this morning. We thank you, Father, Lord, that we, from what we have received from your Spirit, Lord, what we've received from your Word. We thank you for the encouragement we've received this morning, Father. We thank you, Father, Lord, for every single word that was spoken. Lord, that it is seeds planted in our hearts, and it will produce fruit. It will not be stolen from the enemy, but it will be on good ground ready to sprout and ready to grow and grow and grow. That one seed, Father, that one bud, it will turn into a forest. It will turn into a forest in our lives with fruit giving you the glory. Nothing to do with us. Nothing about making our name great, but making you great in everything we do. So we thank you, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, Lord, for those wee reminders in our spirit that you've given us this morning, that no matter who was speaking, Father, Lord, that you speak to the hearts of the people that needed to hear it. And I thank you, Father, for the faith, for the measure of faith that you've placed on each and every one of us, that whoever needs to act on anything that they heard this morning, that you have been leading them, that bears witness with their spirit, that they will have the boldness to act on it, Lord, and to know that you have their, you are looking after them. You are going before us. You are going before us. And everything we do, our road is mapped out. So as we act as willing vessels, being obedient to you, we take every leap towards our purpose. Just like the Apostle Paul was doing, Father, we take our leap toward that finish line, not getting sidetracked or distracted by the nonsense and the noise around us. But we run with patient endurance the race that you've set before us. So we thank you, Father Lord, that you place a hedge of protection around us, Everywhere we go, we're protected. That you give angels charge over us, protecting us at home, Father, and our workplaces, in our to in our going and our from <laughs> Everywhere we are, Fa- Father, we, you are protecting us. And your hand is upon our lives and on our families' lives and our children's lives. I thank you for it, Father, Lord, that you help us be the true ambassadors of Christ, that you help us walk in the call, the great call that we all have. And that is to walk in love towards everyone around us, to walk in in faith and love towards you and to preach the gospel at every opportunity. So we thank you for Father. And we thank you that here at Island Church, we are covered by your blood, we're empowered by your word and we're anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.